Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast. I have uh, Dr. Beth Westy. Well, she runs her own podcast, the Female Health Solution Podcast. And uh, we're going to talk about her work and her podcast and uh, her experience. So, Dr. Westy, thanks for coming. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, tell me about your uh, your health journey because, you know, what I found is whenever someone focuses on an area of health, unfortunately, they usually have had their own troubles in the past and it led them to uh, learn about it and then become an expert. You are 100% right, sir. Yes. Right. So what <laughs> yeah. happened with you? Um, I, you know, I was an athlete growing up. I'm 6'2", you know. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, I'm a big girl. Uh, <laughs> I played uh, volleyball. You're tall, in high school. Yeah. yeah. I played volleyball in high school and college. And then I actually recently played uh, football for the Minnesota Vixens, which is a women's full tackle football team. Wow. So, yeah. Okay. And so I've always been an athlete, always been active, you know, you know, fairly healthy, all this stuff. Well, I'm a, I'm a chiropractor by training. So when I was in graduate school, I actually had my first two kids graduated, started a clinic, uh, got pregnant and had my third. She was actually a preemie. So I had a, a preemie, a two-year-old, a four-year-old and a brand new business, which was not doing well, if I'm going to be honest, and a crap ton of stress in my life. And I started developing ovarian cysts and they would burst every month. It was so painful. It would put me on the floor. I never had anything like this before in my life. And one of the most frustrating things for me was that I was like, this is so stupid. I'm a, I'm a doctor. Like I should know how to deal with this. I should be able to, you know, handle this. And no matter what I tried, I tried, you know, just cleaning up my diet. I tried a bunch of supplements, nothing really helped. And finally my husband got, he was like, so worried about me. He dragged me into the ER and they were like, well, you can have birth control and bike it in. There you go. That'll be fine. Yeah. See you later. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, well, uh, okay. I, I, I get other side effects from birth control. That's, I don't really like being on it and Vicodin. You can't, I can't function like that. That doesn't help anybody. <laughs> no, no. I was like, that's not a way to live my life. What can't we just I'm like, why am I having cysts? I didn't have them before. And I understand that I, you know, I had kids and you know, a stress and stuff, but really this is it for me. So I left there just feeling completely frustrated, you know, um, and took all that frustration and just kind of funneled it into a drive to, you know, learn more about why the healthcare system is the way it is. Why, you know, why can't I get this help and, and what to do about it? So um, I dove into, I have an Eastern medicine background as well. I'm trained in acupuncture um, and Chinese medicine. And then I, you know, specializing in fertility actually. So I dove into that background and started realizing, oh my gosh, like there's other healing arts that actually work with the female body completely differently. You know, mm. acknowledging that your hormones change throughout the month, that you have like four different bodies throughout the month. And four different bodies, what do you mean? Yeah, like hormonally, yeah. The hormones change so much throughout the month that it's like chemically things are just different, right? Oh, yeah, very different is what I guess what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. So um, it, it's super helpful to realize, oh my gosh, yeah, I'm not crazy. 
I'm just living in a different body that might need different nutritional support, different, you know, exercise routine to help my body navigate through this phase onto the next phase and, you know, and function better. So that's essentially what I, I started doing for myself is I started aligning my nutrition and everything else with my hormones and my cycle. And then, um, my body started functioning better because no matter what I had done before, I mean, for a year and a half, I struggled with this, like a year and a half, like over 18 months. I had every single month I had a cyst that would burst. Jeez. Yeah. It's awful. And I was, I was a treating doctor. I, w- I had a clinic. Like I had moments where I like, I had an x-ray room in the back of my office. I run to my x-ray room because I could tell when a cyst was going to burst. And really? I would cr- yeah, I would crouch on the floor behind a table, which again, I'm a big girl. I, I'm not very good at hiding. And I would try and hide from the, because like, it was so awful. And it, you just have to wait like 15 minutes until the pain subsides where you can move again. And it's one of those things where it's, you know, like I, I had three C-sections and these cysts were w- more painful than going through, you know, recovery and stuff like that from having babies. It was awful. So in your situation, what did you figure out that helped you? Yeah. So finally, when I started eating for my hormones that allowed my body to produce and maintain a better amount of hormone, because essentially my hormones were like too high out of control. My body wasn't processing them out like they should. So once I started aligning my nutrition and it sounds like super simple, like, oh, that's it. That's all you're doing. Yeah. That's like all I did. I mean, the first month, you know, I still had a cyst that I started doing this, right? I started with myself first month. I still had a cyst after I started doing this second month, I, the cyst was like much smaller. It didn't burst, but I could tell I still had one there. I still had like a pain, but it didn't not bursting pain. And then by the third month of me doing this, I, I didn't have any more pain and it's been eight and a half years and I haven't had a cyst since. Like what are the main phases of a woman's cycle and what's important about each phase to do? Yeah. Um, no, this is a great question. Cause again, a lot of us aren't even educated on how the female body works and functions, all this other stuff. And again, a lot of times women don't even pay attention unless they're like trying to get pregnant. Right. Mm. Then they might pay attention. But when we look at like when the cycle starts, right. Hormone levels are at an all time low. And then after a few days that estrogen starts to rise. So then that first two weeks, essentially estrogen is the dominant hormone. Also at the same time, your basal body temperature should be the lowest, right? Like the female body, like you, your body temperature changes throughout the month. You know, when you say lowest, like how much lower does it go? Oh, it could be a, uh, a degree to two, you know? So like if your basal body temperature is um, normally like 97.5 degrees, right? Well, yours could be 96.5 degrees in an estrogen phase. Hmm. Yeah. And then go what do you up- think that does uh, biochemically to you and to your processes and everything? Yeah. I mean, the female body is designed to have that difference. So it's just, you know, it, it's, it's a normal function, but that's the thing. Like a lot of women will track their cycle by taking their basal body temperature. You know, it's a, it's a fertility technique to see when you're actually ovulating, but that's, I mean, that's a, that should be a signal. Like a lot of women don't take enough biometrics on themselves to really track where they're at and figure out where their hormones are at, all that stuff. So taking that information can be really, really helpful to say, okay, yep, my basal body temperature is low here. I'm, you know, I should be in an estrogen phase, you know, I'm on day seven of my cycle. This is where I should be. Yep. This matches, you know, and then that changes right around ovulation, right? Hormones completely flip estrogen drops and progesterone jumps, right? It's progesterone dominant then for like the last two weeks of the cycle. So during that time, like with progesterone being higher, your basal body temperature also rises. So when that's higher, like, and again, it can be a degree, it can be two degrees higher, just depending on the person. But if your body temperature rises and stays high, 
then you know you have you're making and producing an adequate amount of progesterone for your system that's one of the uh, markers of it so with doing that and then eastern medicine you know spin on nutrition would be basically matching your food the tone of your food to your basal body temperature so during that estrogen phase when your temperature is lower you eat cooling foods and then the warming phase you'd eat warming foods so again in western in the western world here like this sounds like what foods are cooling or warming like you heat it up or not and some of it yes but some of it is like the tone of the food so if you even google this warming foods you know things that will pop up things that are warming for progesterone so this is the second part of it you know like beef is very warming for the body bacon right like um spicy foods ginger cinnamon right warming for the body and some of those things are also really helpful because at that point in your hormonal cycle the digestive system actually slows down right part of progesterone really? yeah i mean progesterone literally means progestation so the body's job at that point whether or not there's a you know fertilized egg there it's prepping right it's prepping for it it just it's progesterone's job so it slows down your digestive system to absorb every possible nutrient from the food you're eating all this other stuff it's, it's fascinating how many things shift and change mm. in the female body yeah and the female body actually needs more calorie more nutrient more minerals you you hydrate differently hydration doesn't upload into the cell the same way in progesterone phase as it does in estrogen phase you want to amplify the cooling and amplify the heating is that why you eat foods that that foster that mm -hmm. yes yes because we want to lean into that ebb and flow right for for the you know if, if a lot of times the thought process oh i want to balance my hormones right so you're thinking they should be the same but in the female body they're not it's not designed to do that right you know it ebbs and flows throughout the month there's certain weeks where these hormone levels should be different and by leaning into that that helps your body make and produce and maintain the correct amount of hormone yeah oh, okay yeah it's a very different way of looking at the body and system and and um so for women you know again it can feel really different so again like i'm, I'm an athlete you know i've trained for a lot of different things my whole life and one of the things that can be really frustrating is like you do a workout and like one week you're like, yeah, I feel so great. I'm getting so fit. Yeah. And then the next week, a week and a half later, you do the same workout. So it's like, if you go for a run, five mile run, you know, you're like, oh, I'm making great time. Look at me go. Woo. I'm really increasing my speed. My recovery is great. You're not that sore. That's the estrogen phase. Estrogen can help that cell turnover rate happen much faster. You build muscle faster in that estrogen phase. And then after ovulation, it's a totally different body. Progesterone slows things down. It slows down recovery rate. You know, this is where like you go into a, a run and like five minutes into it, you're like, oh my gosh, my legs are cement. What is going on? Oh my gosh. Right. And, and you feel frustrated. There's, um, there's a lot of trainers like physical trainers or, you know, um, people that work with, you know, women and they'll be like, yeah, sometimes I feel like, you know, the clients that I work with, they get really frustrated because like they're, they just aren't performing as well sometimes versus others. So I'm like, well, yeah, if they're tracking their hormones that you can tell, and you can actually adapt how you're training to what your hormones are doing. So again, you don't have to punish yourself for not making as good of a time, right? Okay. And what can a woman expect to feel during the different parts of the cycle and like a little, you know, a bit of why? Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, so we'll start at the beginning days one through 14 body is overall higher in estrogen estrogen oh this is fantastic for a lot of women you're going to get like clearer skin typically um have more energy 
right? Recover faster, digestive system is working better, clearer mental focus at this point. They've done studies where they show that if you want to start a new healthy habit, this is the time of the month to do it. You're more likely to retain habits that are started during this phase. Yeah. I know. Interesting, right? Like, oh, okay. Um, yeah. But that's, that's one of the biggest things. Like your body also burns carbs faster at this point too. So, you know, you might notice a difference in like, um, like glycogen storage and muscle tissue, you know, can feel different, you know, that type of a thing. So, um, but overall women notice that they like kind of feel more energetic. They feel better. Workouts seem easier and their, their gut is pretty good. Okay. You know? Yeah. And then ovulation happens, you know, about day 14, day 15, right? And then progesterone rises. Estrogen really drops and progesterone rises. And this is how it should go, right? If there's hormonal issues, it can feel different in the system. But when progesterone rises, that's when things kind of slow down because the, the hormones are focused on something different. You know, they want to, you know, just in case there's a viable egg there, they're going to, you know, hopefully, you know, start off gestation. So it slows down your digestive system. You know, this is where a lot of women will start to feel like, oh, I'm, I'm a little more bloated or I'm not, not feeling as great, right? It also can slow down your muscle repair. So being more sore or more fatigued from doing a workout, you know, you can feel more tired at night. Like you just kind of run out of energy quicker. Um, not as sharp mm. mentally either. You know what I mean? Like you're like, yeah, oh, I do okay. But man, in the afternoon, oh, I start getting this brain fog. Oh, I don't know what's going on with me. Yeah. So, okay. Well, can you do anything to mitigate that? Or are you just oh. stuck in being in the state <laughs> you know, for two weeks? Yeah. So uh, kind of yes and no, you know what I mean? Like essentially this is kind of your body is functioning different. The, the, the best thing to do is start to lean into and work with the body by, um, by providing it with more nutrients, by giving your system at that point, you know, um, more digestive aid, you know, add in a probiotic if you need, get more digestive enzymes, you know, um, like ginger is really great for the gut, you know, drinks more ginger tea. You can help move that digestive system along. So you're not feeling like, oh yeah, I guess I'm just, you know, bloated and I feel like garbage right now. And just trying to wait it out. It's no, there's a lot of things you can do self-care wise, nutrition wise, just to tweak that, to help your system just function a little more smooth, but also just to realize, oh, hmm, Yep. This is my phase. I guess I, it's, it's okay that I'm a little more, you know, bloated. I didn't do anything bad. It's just kind of what my hormones are at right now. Right. Like for a lot of women, they feel like, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. No wonder why I feel like I'm slow. Sometimes when I go for a run, I'm not training wrong. It's just, oh, my body's in a different phase, right? You took a different body for a run that day than you yeah, did. How long earlier. is this phase for? Two weeks. <laughs> yeah, it's two, okay, weeks. two weeks. Yeah. And then, and then what? And then what you'll go through you go menstruation through and what happens then? Yeah. And then estrogen oh. starts over again. Yeah. Yeah. So essentially, well, what about the actual, what about the actual menstruation part? Like that occurs over what, like three to seven days. And is that a separate phase or is that, I mean, there must be something different about that part of it versus just the second half of the cycle. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. Yeah. So I split it up in Maine for, you know, to get started with in like these two phases, like just the, like, estrogen and progesterone. And then when you get granular on it for, okay, yep. When somebody has their cycle, like for those essentially three days, that point there is the lowest hormone phase of the body for women. Your levels of estrogen and progesterone are actually very, very low. It's actually the point of the body where you're most like a male body because your huh. levels are just so low. Yeah. 
none, you know, estrogen or progesterone, none of them are high. They're both really, really low. So again, on that note, a lot of women might just like feel like, ugh, I feel like garbage because that estrogen isn't there at all. You know, it's that lowest point of it for the whole cycle, you know, so you just don't, you don't feel that like oomph that you normally feel like, you know, that you'll feel a week later when you're past that phase. Does that kind of make sense? Is it a good or a bad idea to supplement with a little bit of estrogen? at that point or is it just let it be natural and that's a better better path to get through it yeah th- i mean that's the nor- that's the natural phase of it you know you don't need to add in anything at that point it's just like yep this is yep and when your hormones are processing really well in the body which happens in the liver mainly you don't really notice a lot of issues with it so a lot of women when they're like yep i don't have any issues with my cycle nope i don't have any pms i feel really good most of the time yeah their liver is processing through those hormones really well where women have a lot of issue is typically with their cycle or even with ovulation. Cause that's the other phase, you know, that hormones really switch is ovulation. And that's like a very short window that the body ovulates and those hormones just gears real fast. And it can feel like you got hit by a hormone truck and that phase there, again, it's, if your body's processing, if your liver is functioning pretty well, you can move through that phase pretty easily without any side effects from it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, if, if someone's older and they've, they've gone through menopause, do they still cycle? Mm, that's a great question. Yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I actually have a whole book on like menopause cause, um, I, you know, I, and I, I really like to separate these things like, um, for women in the female body. Like, so I, there's a whole section in my book, the female fat solution, and I call it the seven bodies of Eve. And it's just the different bodies that women can go through in their lifetime you know, pre-puberty, puberty, like fertility things, postpartum, perimenopause, menopause, like there's all these different bodies that you live through that are just, uh, they're just different than the male body. You know what I mean? And yeah. each body that you go through can um, utilize different things nutritionally. And so especially for the menopausal body, one of the things that really sets it apart is that it doesn't utilize nutrients the same way. Like it'll take more protein to do the same job that protein used to do. And liver function is different. Cortisol response is different. So how your body's functioning is just different. So a lot of women will say, gosh, you know, I was really healthy. I was fine. You know, I was feeling good. I was fit and and active. And I went through menopause and I put on 10 pounds. I didn't change anything. I eat the same. I work out the same. What the heck? And it's, well, you're living in a different body now. Hormone wise, those hormone levels have totally dropped, right? And your body reacts differently to stress now. So a higher amount of protein is, is important to help maintain the same muscle tissue. Otherwise you just have a harder, much harder time for the body to maintain that same amount of muscle tissue that it used to, because it doesn't absorb process the same way. What about if they've had a hysterectomy or again, if they go through menopause, like do they still cycle in some way? What's that? Mm, look like? Yeah. So there is present estrogen and progesterone in the system. It's just on a much smaller scale. So a lot of times you will still have some type of tiny fluctuation of estrogen. It's just not on the same scale as it was when you have an active cycle, you know, um, having a hysterectomy, but nothing major, nothing major changes, at least for menopause. It's, it's more right. of like a static level. Yes. Yeah. For, for most women. Yes. There are some women that still have, um, you know, a, a cyclic change, but a lot of time that's due to a buildup of hormone that's left over in their system that their liver hasn't processed out. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, hysterectomy, what, what happens? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, it depends on what type of hysterectomy they had, um, if they still have their ovaries or not, because some women will, will get just, just get their uterus removed and the ovaries are still there. And sometimes they take the ovaries. So if the uterus gets removed um, and they still have ovaries, 
they'll still go through a cycle until the ovaries just go dormant, you know, until they go through quote unquote menopause um, and the ovaries just go completely dormant and, um, and then their levels just kind of, you know, lower and stay at that low level. If it's a total hysterectomy and they get their ovaries removed too, sometimes they can get slammed into menopause like overnight. And that's, that's not a good time. That's kind of harsh to go through. So, um, so it's, again, it's helpful okay. to support the body um, nutritionally, just helping it process these hormones better. So it's, you know, so you're not, you know, otherwise it's, it's, it's hard to process, right? Like our bodies are under so much stress. They have to process so many things that we're exposed to anyway. And then you have to internally do the, the hormone stuff too. That's a lot. That's a lot to ask of it. Well, also, I mean, I've asked this question of other people um, in terms of taking medications. Mm-hmm. It's it seems like it's completely ignored. You know, oh, they say, oh, don't take it if you're pregnant, fine. But if you're cycling, I mean, how do medications affect a woman's body at different points in her cycle? And is there any even research there or experimentation or literature? Because I would think if you're you know if you're older and you're taking a bunch of medications and you're still cycling, like it could have a big impact on you. Oh, that is a great question. I love where your brain is going right now. Um, so. Historically, actually, um, women were not actually allowed to be a part of any pharmaceutical studies or studies for medications until even 1993. Yep, 1993 was a law passed that allowed women to even partake in studies. So if you think about birth controls and all these other medications that are designed for women, they were tested on men that were 140 pounds and were called equivalent to a female body. And they were designed for the female body. They never did any tests on it. And even now, even since 1993, you think, oh, well, if they're going to do a study on something, they're going to use half women, right? Nope. Because the female body goes through this hormonal shift and change, it takes longer to take, like two to three times longer to take the same amount of data on a female body as it does a male body. So it's more expensive. Okay. Women are part of studies, but you'll find that um, statistically, they can make up 5% of a data population, which is not enough to statistically throw, you know, to alter any results. And even if you're looking at mice or rats or whatever, it's the same thing. They use male mice, male rats. Um, There's a great book. If you want to go down this rabbit hole, there's a great book. It's called Doing Harm. And it is all about research. You know, like there was a 70 year aging study that they did over hundreds of thousands of participants, you know, mostly on men. So they studied how the male body ages, which didn't account for any women's hormones aging, you know, just so a lot of what we know about health and nutrition and everything is really based on the male body and they don't do specialized study for female body. I mean, you know, again, I'm an athlete. So a lot of the stuff in performance space, you know, any performance supplements, things like that, right? Like, oh, pre-workout, oh, all this stuff, post-workout stuff, oh, branch chains, right? That's all studied on division one male college athletes between the ages of 18 and 22. Hmm. They don't, they don't test. They don't even test older men on that stuff. You know, they do those studies and they whip them out. They take men that are in the best shape, best health of their lives. And they, you know, Oh, look, you can gain this much muscle with this, you know, Hmm. beefcake creatine. I don't know, whatever it is, but uh, that's what they're, you know, that's what they're looking at. And they're not testing it on the female body and how it responds, how it affects their hormones, how these other things are impacted. So a lot of it literally is, we don't know. Yeah, that's bad. That's really bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess, so I guess clinically you just have to figure it out. Is that what you, what doctors do? Then? This has really become like my life's like 
mission, you know, is really to educate women on a lot of this stuff and say, you know what, your body functions differently and, and to take these things into account and you have to be your own health advocate and your health is cumulative, you know, take all the, learn as much as you can about how your body works and functions. And then if the things that you are doing, you know, lifestyle wise, diet wise, exercise wise, supplement wise, all these things, are they working for you or not? And where do you need to decipher? Okay. I think I need a different, you know, supplement routine, or I need a different nutrition routine to acknowledge my hormones. Um, and it's amazing the results. I just, uh, I had a chat with a gal the other day, actually, first time I've ever talked to her. I'd never, you know, you know, heard from her before, but she said she had gotten my book. She had started, you know, eating for a cycle stuff. She's like, yep, my, my cycle became more regular over the course of like four or five months. She's like, my cycle became more regular. Uh, mm. My mood swings, ugh have almost gone away completely. They're still there a little bit, but it's so much better. Um, my acne is better. And she goes, I've actually lost like eight pounds and I haven't done anything else different. I haven't counted calories. I haven't even, you know, like tried to stop eating sugar. She's like, that's the only thing I've been doing is eating for my cycle. I'm like, yeah, cause your body's working better and you feel better. So you're going to get to a healthy weight and maintain it, you know, that much better. But you know, a lot of times we get, we go down the same road. I mean, this was where I was, you know, I was in the ER, you know, doubled over from cysts that would burst. And I was just told, oh, Vicodin and birth control, right? They don't, that's the tools yeah, that no, they, they have, either. you know? Yeah, that's a bad option. <laughs> yeah, that's that was, uh, that was not a shining moment for me, we'll say, in the ER. <laughs> yeah. Mm -mm. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I mean, but this is, that's the only tools they have. They don't have any other tools to give you. For women, here's a ton more tools you know, for your tool belt that you can use to work with your system. And again, you're not crazy. That's the, that's the other thing. There's so many women I chat with that they get like a psych referral. I, I'm not kidding. There was four women this week alone that told me that at well, some point they went in and they were told that, well, I think it's in your head and you must need to talk to somebody else and get on, you know, an antidepressant or something because. I've heard this about um, women that have thyroid problems. I've heard, I've heard this about, uh, you know, I guess literally, uh, hysteria itself, I guess the term comes from what, like the 1800s, where it was related to, uh, you know, they, they thought women's problems were all like a form of hysteria and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, yes. This is back when they thought like, oh, women should not ride on a train because the uterus could fly around on the body. <laughs> it's crazy. crazy. It's crazy some of the stuff that was going on then. Yeah, but that's, yeah, that's what they termed things. And that's still the case. It's still the case. And this goes even different classes of women, like women get judged differently when they go in, you know, all this stuff that they're like, yes, I'm having pain. I actually, so total true story. I had a conversation with a gal today and she shared with me that um, she was one of those women this week that, you know, had been told she had to go to a psych consult. They wanted to put her on a bunch of antidepressants and anti-anxiety meds, all these things. Cause at certain points of the month, she'd be in so much pain and um, it was awful. And so they did, you know, some type of ablation that helped a little bit, but not really. And then it got really, really bad. And then they finally did a hysterectomy. And what they found was that her endometriosis was so bad that it had um, enveloped her bowels. So it was basically like squeezing on those intestines. So, I mean, if she had to go to the bathroom, like if she had fecal matter in there, right, it's, you know, straining that. And then it was also cemented to her abdominal wall. Jesus. Yeah. So no wonder why she was in pain. If she ate something that gave her a little bit of gas, there's no room in the bowels yeah, for really. that to go through. She was in excruciating pain, you know? <laughs> and so when, um, when she, she said, when she woke up in the recovery room after the surgery, 
she said that she the doctor was talking to her and said oh my gosh I can't believe how much pain you were in and like apologized to her and said I'm sorry that you know I I I thought you just needed like a a psych consult you know this was this was bad yeah a lot of women have this story um or something similar so yeah so what's um you know I know you can't save the whole world but like what's your What's your approach with your patients? You have this, it's eating right for the right time of your cycle. Mm-hmm. How much more is needed, you know, to help women in general? Like, you know, is that, is that plenty enough? Is that helping a lot or you want to take this a lot further? Yeah. So, I mean, it's a great start. There's a lot of women that can regulate their cycle, improve their fertility, you know, even out a lot of hormone issues by, by eating for their hormones, you know, eating for your cycle, feed cycling. So essentially days one through 14, that estrogen phase, you're going to eat a tablespoon of pumpkin seed and a tablespoon of flax seed every day. And then during the days 15 through 28, the progesterone phase, same thing, a tablespoon of sesame and sunflower, sesame, one tablespoon of sesame, one tablespoon of sunflower. And that again, helps regulate because each of those seeds has specific nutrients in it, different vitamin levels, different, you know, like zinc, all these other things to help the hormones process through better. And that that's a tactic that can help regulate the cycle, improve mood, you know, all that other stuff. Um, so, I mean, that's a place where I start. Um, I also do hormone testing. It's a Dutch test, um, which is a dried urine test for comprehensive hormones, where we test not only what your like levels are, but it, I get to see how your body processes these hormones. I get to see your adrenal function, your cortisol patterns, you know, how well is your body reacting and responding to stressors? Um, your testosterone levels, you know, your nutrient levels, B vitamin mm. levels. It's really, it's really in depth. It's, it's really cool. It's a really cool test. Um, and they even have a cycle mapping one where women take it throughout the month. So you can see exactly what your hormones are doing every couple of days throughout the whole month. Okay. So, yeah. And that's the most, that one's the most helpful for like specific for fertility, but um, cause sometimes women will ovulate really early or really late and not know it. And they're like, well, my cycle's regular. I'm like, well, yeah, but according to this, you're ovulating like a week late. That's so you're missing your fertility window completely, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's a whole, I mean, there's like a lot of different uh, ways to go with what you do. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. do, you, do so, you have like a team of people in the office or are you trying to do all this yourself? Like, what to... <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I do have another doctor that uh, works with me, um, but a lot of it is, you know, just, I, you know, I run, I have a, a, like some group programs and I have some one-on-one programs. So it just depends on, you know, what type of support people want and need. Um, you know, and, and, but those are, again, like for a lot of women, they notice an improvement in like minor hormone issues from just changing up their foods, you know, mm. and, and for if women have a more complex issue, then, oh, yep they're going to benefit from more specific recommendations. Um, if they have any other issues like a thyroid issue, autoimmune issue, like Lyme, you know, um, you know, it it can impact how fast their body can turn around. So there's different recommendations I make for those things. And, you know, sometimes different supplements or things to help their liver or decrease the inflammation, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Are you, are you doing uh, telemedicine? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. I figured during, you know, since the, Yeah. Well, the other great thing about the, yeah, the Dutch test is that it's actually a dried urine test that you take at home. They send it right to your house. Okay. You, you know, pee in a little strip of paper, send it back in, and we get to see what your body's doing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really convenient. Yeah. Well, very good. What's the best way for people to, uh, you know, to talk to you if they're having issues and where can they find you? Like, tell yeah. me, what, you know, what's the name of the podcast and then how do they find your website and everything? 
Yeah. So pretty much everything is labeled uh, Dr. Beth Westy. Facebook, Instagram, Dr. Beth Westy. My website is Dr. Beth Westy. My YouTube is Dr. Beth Westy. I do a ton of videos on educating on, you know, female health stuff. Um, and then my podcast is called The Female Health Solution, you know, where I dive into more specifics, you know, and, and recently, you know, you're right with all the COVID stuff. I've been talking more about the stress response for women because that's been popping up more. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, very good. Well, I know there's a ton more to ask you, but uh, I think this is a good start. So thank you for coming on the podcast. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. I, I really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, excellent. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.